Hey everyone, welcome to Insert Game here. My name is Brian. And I'm Addison. And I'm Jared. And uh, Addison, uh, would you like to tell me what we're talking about today? Because I know you've got a lot of thoughts. I would love to tell you what we're talking about today. So today we are going to be talking about a recent uh, story that came up in the gaming media that uh, nobody saw coming. In fact, uh, I woke up that morning and uh, I did my usual routine of uh, sitting up in bed for a couple minutes looking at my phone before I went to take a shower. And what was the first thing I see? Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion. That is no small number. No. no but it's not the <laughs> biggest acquisition, actually. It's not. We, we ended up looking into it, and it actually is not the biggest acquisition that has happened, even in the tech industry. Yeah, but it is still, like, on average with some of the bigger ones. And I would say it's probably one of the biggest acquisitions in gaming specifically. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. I, I don't know if there has been a bigger acquisition in the gaming industry. I think that really well tops the cake. The only thing I can think of is not necessarily gaming directly, but for game development. Uh, I know Maxon recently bought ZBrush. So for 3D artists and stuff for doing like character design, there may be some changes in that. But it's I don't think it's going to overall have kind of the shaking that this acquisition would have in terms of what's going to happen now to those franchises that the IPs now changed ownership yeah and uh as i said that was the first thing that i saw when i woke up that morning and so i just that let, let me just say that was a heck of a thing to wake up to <laughs> my genuine response whenever i saw the headline was a grunt <laughs> just kind of <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's it's not just, me it, it's so weird because like I, i've been a fan of a lot of the past blizzard titles like i remember the warcraft and starcraft series games i played a lot of overwatch whenever it first came out and uh, you know i've i've liked the games but for some reason there was just a period of time where i just started to like drift away from the titles i've never really been into playing blizzard's games personally i've never really like the only blizzard game i think i've ever played was overwatch and the only reason I played that was because you and a couple of our friends were uh, were playing it, and I wanted to get in on some of the fun because y'all wanted to, you know, record some some footage of it for for our Let's Play channel right. at the time. So I I got in on playing that specifically because of that. And other than that, I've really never played any other Blizzard games. So I'm not as attached to Blizzard as a lot of other people out there. So I'm I'm looking at the situation as an outsider to a degree because I, while I have never, I've, while I have never really played Blizzard games, I have um, played my fair share of Xbox. So this is like seeing Microsoft acquire this massive, massive third-party gaming giant is e even as somebody on the outside when it comes to Blizzard like this, even I can recognize how big of a, acquisition this is mm -hmm. i am curious because i have an idea and i i want to get y'all's thoughts on this what do you think is the main reason they would purchase 
Activision to a lesser extent, but more importantly, Blizzard. Well, I mean, Blizzard is a part of Activision. So if you're going to get Activision, you're going to get Blizzard. Right. There's not really a pl- like there's not really any pi- buying one or the other. Honestly, I think Microsoft saw it as an opportunity. We have all watched the sinking ship of Activision Blizzard over the last year or two and even further. And I kind of just think Microsoft stepped up and said, so you guys are having some problems. How much? I was honestly thinking the exact same thing. And there's a lot of people out there online who are putting out that exact same theory that the um, the controversy, as we'll call it, uh, that has been the surrounding Activision Blizzard, it was the major driving factor that led to this acquisition. I can agree with that. And I definitely feel like that was part of it. But I actually have a slightly different theory. Things like World of Warcraft and Overwatch were some of the pivotal titles that really helped make the esports scene explode. I feel like this might be Microsoft's attempt at getting more relevant into esports. I personally disagree with that. I think that uh, esports is probably a part of the reason why, but I honestly don't think that's the major driving factor as to why Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard. I think the catalyst that led to this was definitely the controversy, but I think Microsoft did see this as a long-term opportunity, not so much for the esports side of things, but to bolster their games as a service model with things like Xbox Game Pass, because they are pushing that very, very hard. It was absolutely an opportunity. I don't think it has as much to do with esports as as it does becoming a dominant factor in the non-Nintendo gaming industry. Because if for a long time you've got Nintendo that does their own thing, and then you've got the rest of the gaming world that's either on a PC, an Xbox, or a PlayStation. And uh, PC and Xbox, those are both Microsoft. And the PlayStation, well, <laughs> despite Microsoft having both PC and Xbox, PlayStation has been the driving force in the game industry as far as consoles outside of Nintendo the last few generations. And we have watched Mm -hmm. these last couple of years as Microsoft has slowly started chipping away at the developers who can give Sony exclusive games. I, I would be concerned if I was Sony right now. Because they are losing developers so quickly. I I don't know what's going to happen in the future. The first thing that popped into my mind when I saw the headline for this acquisition was, oh, Microsoft now owns Call of Duty. Uh Um, (laughs) This is going to be awkward for PlayStation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because love it or hate it, Call of Duty is still one of the biggest video game franchises in the world and Sony potentially losing that is a very massive loss for Sony. And now that I think about it, uh, Blizzard primarily catered towards PC games. That's what they mostly developed for. Yeah. So honestly, this purchase makes perfect sense because Microsoft, that's their bread and butter. Microsoft owns World of Warcraft now. That is actually interesting. Yeah, honestly, that game has been floundering. and I know a lot of uh, quote-unquote uh, MMO refugees have been going to Final Fantasy XIV because it hasn't been doing as well. Now, 
consider this. The same company owns both World of Warcraft and Minecraft. <laughs> Two very yep. different social games. Yeah. You you want to know another thing that popped into my head that makes this acquisition even more interesting? Is uh what what was uh I'm sure everybody here knows uh the name of the company that used to develop the Halo games, Bungie, who mm-hmm. now works on Destiny 2. Well, when Bungie left Microsoft, what publisher did they get bought out by? You got to be Activision. Kidding. Oh, wow. Act- now, hold on, hold on. Bungie did end up splitting from Activision not too long ago. So if they didn't split from Activision, Microsoft would have gotten Bungie back. Yeah. <laughs> just, that is wild to think about. Yeah. Here's here's a couple of other titles. Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Skylanders, uh, and Candy Crush Saga apparently was under their stuff from what I'm reading here. Yeah. King... Yep was owned by um, Activision Blizzard. King is the developer of Candy Crush. Yeah, so I, I don't know why I always I always thought Crash Bandicoot and Spyro were Sony properties because they were on the PlayStation. They were at them. one point. They were, but Activision acquired them. Activision also owns the developers Toys for Bob. They're the ones that created the uh, Spyro Reignited trilogy. That yeah. those that developer that development team is now under the direction of Microsoft. Now here's here's what I think is interesting, and I've I've brought this up to a few of my friends, but you have Toys for Bob, which I have complete confidence in them as a team. They did great with Spyro, are now owned by the same people that own the rights to Banjo Kazooie. I was yep. thinking the same thing. Yes, but, and so many people on the internet are saying this. <laughs> Toys for Bob. Can you please make us a new Banjo-Kazooie? Please. I would love, love to see that happen. That would be amazing. Yeah, I, I've seen that, and I've also heard a bunch of people asking for a Smash clone with all of their properties. <laughs> they could do it, too. <laughs> they, they really got, could. They got enough. <laughs> they could point. do it. Oh, oh, man. This this is just, this is such a wild acquisition that, like, really drives the imagination crazy like the whole like i was actually going to bring that exact same up uh exact same thing up um was the the whole thing like now toys for bob is owned by microsoft the same company that owns banjo kazooie so i was also in the same corner saying banjo kazooie game banjo kazooie game banjo kazooie game yeah (laughs) so just since we're talking about uh some of the titles here do you think we would see any resurgence from older games that uh, they now have, like, the licenses to? Like, uh, I think Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, what are some other ones that would be a part of this? Um, you know what Blizzard game I actually enjoyed back in the day was StarCraft? Yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah, because they had uh, StarCraft 2 and then uh, I forgot what the DLCs, Heart of the Swarm, and the, there was the Protoss one. I forgot what that one was called. But yeah, uh, yeah, they now own that. And then uh, Guitar Hero and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, I believe, falls under all this. I've yep. been seeing a lot of people asking for a new Guitar Hero with this in the news. Like, Microsoft, yep. give us more Guitar Hero. 
Now, one thing that I actually heard from this acquisition too that I really liked to hear is uh, because you know they they now own the Call of Duty franchise. That means Microsoft is going like these Call of Duty games are going to be developed under Microsoft's umbrella. Apparently, Microsoft wants to discontinue the annual model with that series. Thank goodness. I was thinking the same thing. They, apparently, the, apparently, Microsoft wants to discontinue the annual model, and they want to give developers room to make bigger, better Call of Duty games. Honestly, they need, in, in my opinion, they have been needing to split that franchise away from the uh, the competitive scene and the actual like storytelling scene. Yeah. And honestly, the biggest thing that not only am I excited for the fact that, you know, they could actually give Call of Duty developers a chance to make bigger, better Call of Duty games, but this also gives other development teams under the Activision Blizzard umbrella um, more time to pursue other projects that are not necessarily just Call of Duty. We could actually yep. see some life being like brought back into other franchises that we haven't seen in a long time, or maybe some new franchises. That's honestly the biggest thing that caught my attention with this acquisition is if Microsoft is going to discontinue the annual model of Call of Duty, that means you're not going to have half that company just making Call of Duty games anymore. You'll just have one, maybe two teams working on Call of Duty and everybody else can be working on other projects. Yep, and they'll have the time to develop it in depth as opposed to like churning it out like those right. a lot of the sports games like FIFA and uh, the NBA Jam or whatever the basketball ones are nowadays that they they have because like those come out like every year. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Although, so, uh, uh, since you bring up FIFA, uh, one thing of note, I don't know if you noticed this, it, it kind of went slightly under the radar uh, EA lost the licensing to FIFA. Really? They did. What? They did. They, they did. did. They did. They lost so, it. So there will to be. Who? I, I don't know. But uh, apparently, apparently now EA, what they're doing is they are rebranding the FIFA series under a new name to to be able to continue their annual model. But apparently, the actual FIFA IP was taken by someone else i don't i don't know the full story behind it i just know that that is what happened that's something i'm gonna have to look up later because now i am genuinely curious yeah because i know fifa was ex is extremely popular still oh yeah fifa's huge yeah so it's it's understandable why they keep on putting out a new one every year because i mean <laughs> it's it's one of the biggest franchises in gaming yep developers will continue pushing out product as long as people pay for it Yep, yep, exactly. Anyway, you know, going back to uh, to Activision, sorry to derail the conversation there a little bit. Uh, it's okay. Um, Jared, a little while ago, you asked what older title you would want to see brought back from Activision. Mm -hmm. I've got one for you. Okay. Pitfall. Oh, my God, that would, yeah. Actually, yeah, because that, that is Activision. Yeah. I haven't thought of that game in <laughs> ages. <laughs> I... Imagine a modern recreation of that game. Honestly, I'm picturing something like Prince of Persia. Yeah. I was thinking something you know, like Uncharted or something like that. Yeah. That could be interesting. Huh. It's just it's just so funny like seeing Pitfall come back. 
Yeah. <laughs> of all things. I it would know. be like some <laughs> it would be like just out of the blue, somebody resurrected Jazz Jackrabbit and everybody's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Microsoft has the capability of of doing some interesting things like that. I I do give Microsoft a, a lot of uh I, I give them a hard time for some of the things they've done to Minecraft or, you know, it seems like a lot of things that Microsoft touches, they ruin. Skype is a great example. I loved Skype until Microsoft took over. But oh, yeah. I, I, and I, then I, Discord kind of filled the void. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll be honest, Microsoft's been doing good things when it comes to games. They really yeah. have. When it comes to gaming specifically, they have done more good than bad. So I'm, I'm willing to say that as far as Microsoft, or not Microsoft, uh, Activision Blizzard is concerned, this buyout by Microsoft will only be good for them. It will help well, heal the bad PR and it will... Yeah, it's, it's hard to do worse. It's hard to do worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like, uh, but here's, here's, my, here's my question though. Here's my question. This may be good for Activision Blizzard, but is this good for the gaming industry as a whole? Because Microsoft is just gobbling developer after developer. At what point is this going to become harmful to this industry? Yeah, because the question on everybody's mind with this acquisition is, is this acquisition too big of an acquisition? Because Microsoft is essentially consuming one of the biggest players in the third party portion like sector of the gaming industry. I mean, the only one that is arguably as big as Activision is EA. I kind of feel like Microsoft's looking at EA and thinking you're next. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but like I have been reading that, um, with this acquisition, there's a lot that needs to be approved and filed and signed before it's ever, you know, before it fully goes through. And one of the things that Microsoft has to go through with on this is they have to get the FTC to investigate it and make sure that, you know, this isn't creating too much of a uh, monopolistic practice in the industry. Yeah, and I I honestly feel like they're not going to have that many problems getting that pushed through because a lot of the video game market is decentralized because they only have authority in North America. And honestly, I feel like Microsoft has had that dominance in at least North America for a long period of time because, I mean, they're located here. Whereas mm-hmm. Sony and... Uh, Nintendo are abroad. Yeah. And Nintendo in particular, I think, is the key thing that's going to keep Microsoft safe from any anti-competitive lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Because Nintendo is really, really big. It's the one company they're yep. never going to be able to gobble up. Assume well, assumingly. <laughs> it, never, never say never. Never say never. But I, I feel like Nintendo is big enough to be that one company that can compete to micro- with Microsoft. That if Microsoft gobbles up most of the other competition, Nintendo is big enough that the FTC can say, okay, there's still enough competition. Speaking of Nintendo, uh, the amount of money that Microsoft is paying to acquire Aquas- uh, Activision Blizzard is more money than Nintendo's entire worth as a whole. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. To, just to put into perspective how massive this acquisition is. 
Right. But you have to remember, Microsoft is a multimedia company. They don't just rely on gaming. That isn't their Mm -hmm. sole like drive like Nintendo, where that's their primary driver. Even Sony, they technically are a multimedia company because they Mm -hmm. do motion pictures and other stuff, too. So Sony's huge. It's (laughs) I honestly feel like the next generation is going to be more defined at least in terms of gaming by Xbox and Nintendo. And I feel like Sony is shifting into other arenas because they, they had their, (laughs) unfortunately there's this trend where you have your time in the limelight, you dominate a generation. And then for some reason you become a Scrooge with policy and start making greedier and greedier decisions. And then your next generation is just shot in the foot until you realize, Oh, Hey, we should probably be empowering the players more <laughs> Yeah, because, because when they feel like they can get away with anything they want, they try to do so. But, um, I, I agree with what you just said though, uh, Jared, because Sony just, I can't really think much that they have going on for them other than just, they make great exclusives. But other than that, what is like compared to Microsoft and Nintendo, what else do they got going for them? Well, they made great exclusives, but they're running out of developers to make those exclusives for them. They're getting bought out by Microsoft. Yeah. So this is, Sony's in a very awkward spot. Like, yes, Sony is, PlayStation is the biggest gaming platform in the world other than probably PC. But, um... I mean, how long is that going to last when Microsoft is gobbling up all of these developers and Nintendo is doing their thing with the Switch and their IPs? Like, Sony, I feel like Sony is the one that has a lot of catching up to do because they can't just rely on their exclusives forever. I think Sony's going to be safe for for this generation. I feel like the PS5 mm-hmm. will carry them through really well. The acquisition of Activision Blizzard is going to take over a year to finalize. And yeah. they mm-hmm. already have games in development that they probably already have deals with Sony for. So it's going to take a while for the ramifications of this deal to really hit. But I kind of predict that the next generation, when we start talking about the uh, PS6 and the Xbox XYZ, whatever it's going to be, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's when we're really going to see Microsoft start to overtake Sony at that point. Because yeah. then they they will have more control over those developers they will have had time to assert their dominance even more. It's a slow game for Microsoft. And I, I feel like when it comes to that next generation, I don't think Sony's going to have much of a leg up. It's, it's going to be shared between Microsoft and Nintendo. And Microsoft can play the long game because they've got the money to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just feel like, with especially with consoles, that they're reaching the point to where they're kind of capped out on terms of like power specs that they could really push into these machines. So it's just kind of like, yeah, you can add more hyper threading and SSDs and, you know, faster components and stuff like that. But because Sony and Microsoft both kind of dwell in that environment, they're both pretty much going to be capped in terms of specs. So there's not going to be that much of a difference between the two, especially if you consider like 
televisions aren't really going to be changing that much because I mean, sure, you can get 8K TVs, but that's a higher resolution than your eyeballs. So is it really worth <laughs> it? You know? Yeah. Well, I, I just I don't see the point in buying a next generation console unless it's a Nintendo console. Because I, I look I at the agree. PlayStation 5 right now. It's five hundred dollars. But almost every game that's coming out to either the PlayStation or the Xbox is also coming out on Windows PC, especially if yep. it's Xbox. If it's coming out on Xbox, it's coming out on Windows. And, and most of the games on the PlayStation are going to Windows. Um, mm -hmm. the, the latest uh, Final Fantasy 15 it released for Windows. I assume that 16 will probably also release for Windows. Why would I put $500 into a console when I could just add 300 more, pay $800 for a decent gaming rig that's going to be pretty well as powerful as a PlayStation 5. The main place that consoles have in the market right now is the fact that they do have that simplicity factor that PCs don't quite have just yet where you can just turn it on, boot up a game in a, in a couple of seconds, and you're playing. Whereas with right. PCs, there is more of a process. So yeah. that's the leg up that consoles have. Yeah, because the, the 360 era, like consoles started to fill that multimedia role. However, modern work, you know, modern setups with, you know, HDMIs and capture cards and other things like that. It's become increasingly easier to play video games on the computer in the comfort of your living room. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because, I mean, we've seen things like the Stream Deck and other stuff like that. The What was the Google one? I forgot what that one was called. What, Google Stadia? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like it, it wasn't successful, but the ideas for that type of stuff for the PC encroaching on what consoles had had their dominance for, like the lines are increasingly getting blurred between what is a console and what is a computer. There's actually one thing, like you brought up the Steam Deck, which actually I personally think is a really interesting wrench that's going to be thrown into all this because Valve is doing something that I didn't really think of until I saw it get revealed, which is they're trying to make PC gaming even more blurred between what is a gaming PC and what is a console. And they're tr like, it's actually quite interesting how Valve is trying to evolve PC gaming with that device. They want to try and introduce like a method of playing PC games that isn't just Windows, which could take, you know, potential competition away from Microsoft in that area. Because let's face it, Microsoft kind of controls PC gaming because everybody games on Windows. Um, so here you Looking have Valve. At you Apple. Yep. And, <laughs> but but then here you have Valve saying, "Hey, you know, Linux is a good gaming option too, but we have to make it worth people's time and worth upgrading. What if we introduced this cool new idea for a piece of hardware that would make people want to try it out? You know, try out things like SteamOS on Linux and try and you know try playing games on uh, something that's a little bit more streamlined, like mm -hmm. a console." So here's the Steam Deck. It's it, it it's very Switch like, but has a different focus, like in terms of PC gaming as opposed to just being a console. It's actually really interesting what they're doing. Right. I think a big part of it is a lot of people just don't know what Linux is because, like, I'm a tech head, and about all I know about Linux is their icon is a penguin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Valve is trying to blur the line between PC and console further. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to make the role that consoles themselves have to play even less important down the line. If computers can get that easy to turn on and play games with, mm -hmm. at that point, consoles are kind of losing that advantage that they once had. There, so. I think there will always be a place for consoles, excluding Nintendo. They're their own thing. But there will always be a place for consoles in the gaming market. It's just the people that are buying the consoles are shifting. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially since they have to adapt and evolve with not only cultural norms, but also just the economic fluidity of what's going on. Because I know uh, the movie and just entertainment industry, video games included as a whole, got rocked by the whole COVID outbreak stuff. So it's just, I feel like the affordability factor is going to also be something that really pushes forward as people are still recovering financially and some businesses that no longer exist, like those voids have to get filled by something. It's an interesting time for the gaming industry right now. There's a lot of shifts happening and this acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft is just kind of proof of that. You know, it's it, it's it's proof that the tides are turning. And who's emerging from this stronger. Yeah. Yep. And right now, I personally see Microsoft as the major driving factor in the future to be kind of the leader of that new gaming industry that's coming up down the line. And Sony, as big as they are now, I'm concerned about where PlayStation is going to go from here if they don't start, you know, putting out their answers to what Microsoft is doing. I know that Microsoft is a significantly bigger company, but there's still a lot of things that Microsoft is doing that Sony could realistically and should be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's been, I feel like they've been on divergent paths for a little while now. Because, I mean, you know, when when we were kids, when the Xbox first came out, that was the FPS console. You got Xbox yeah. to play Halo, and Sony had all the, the, the fun other games on it, on the PlayStation. And yeah. now it's kind of shifted to where if you're on Sony, you're either playing Call of Duty or something like The Last of Us. And Microsoft has the interesting games like Ori and the Blind Forest and Cuphead and you know, these, these really exotic titles that are so different. And they also have IPs that just kind of fit a more wacky, interesting motif. I mean, if Microsoft wants to put out a new Banjo or Crash or Spyro game, they can now. So I feel like Microsoft is that studio now where they have a wide range of, of games that appeal to everybody. Something mm -hmm. Microsoft has will appeal to somebody, whether that's World of Warcraft now, or Minecraft, or Spyro, or any rare title. That Microsoft has that now. And what does Sony have? They used to have Call of Duty. They don't anymore. Yep. Yeah, Microsoft has the full gamut of titles that could cross every age group and demographic. Yeah, right now, so it feels like the two Sony has two big things going for them right now. Uh, Naughty Dog and Insomniac. 
<laughs> I, I, I can't really think of much else that they have going for them. This is the thing I, I'm thinking, and, and whenever I'm just thinking big picture here, I feel like Microsoft is going to dominate North America. And then Nintendo has a very predominant hold on Japan and some of Asia. I feel like Sony also kind of hits that like Asian market a bit more directly. So I think honestly, the big thing that's going to determine what happens is South America, Africa, and Europe. I feel like PlayStation's biggest hold could definitely be Europe and the UK because I do know PlayStation is very popular over there. So it's almost like they each have their own like territories in the world of influence <laughs> and they're yep. just slowly taking jabs at each other. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's very interesting. I am looking at the different studios that Sony owns and you know, there are a number of them that are in the UK. Uh, you got XDev in, in Liverpool, you've got London Studios and obviously London. But there's also a lot in the U.S. Uh, you you have, uh, as was mentioned earlier, um, Insomniac and uh, Naughty Dog, both in California, and then a number of other studios in California and Washington. So I, there, there's a lot of Sony influence in the U.S. It, it, yeah. It may, you know, the U.S. may have a, a big uh, leaning toward Microsoft, but Sony still has a voice here. Oh yeah, and it's the same thing with yeah. Nintendo. Yeah. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to say who is top dog in what region. Right, yeah. right, right. And he he makes a good point on that too because like as popular as Nintendo is here, they're top dog in Japan primarily. Yes. But um I think what I was meaning to say earlier is just I mean just to give an example of what I mean, I mean just I have not had any desire to buy a PS5. Like I'm not excited about it in any way shape or form because I mean what reason is there to buy one? Oh, it's a cool piece of tech. All right. Well, I mean, that's neat, but I, you know, already have a PC that can run these games pretty well, if not yeah. better. So every title that I've cared for, I got on the PC. Yeah. I so haven't, I haven't bought a new console since the switch first came out. Yeah. So it's just, I'm just don't see a reason to buy a PS5. I mean, yeah, there's exclusives on it, but I mean, again, they're releasing a lot of their exclusives now on PC, which is a good move. Sony should do that. But it's just, I, I just, I'm not seeing much of a reason to want a PlayStation. So this has happened before way, way back during the 16-bit video game wars where you had Nintendo and Sega. And if you'll recall, Sega's hold on the hardware market slipped and crashed and they decided to just focus on software and game development and that's what they've yeah. done to this day do you think that's the direction sony's going i could see that happening honestly yeah i could i very well i actually could see that happening i mean just sony is sony not too long it wasn't that long ago that sony was actually struggling financially and it was the playstation brand that saved them um, so obviously they rely heavily on their PlayStation side of business, but if the PlayStation hardware, hardware business ends up stagnating down the line, which it's not going to stagnate anytime soon, it's doing really well for them. But I'm more thinking like down the line, if they do start to stagnate, I could totally see them going third party and just making third party games for other platforms. 
Yeah, because the problem is, is their whole marketing campaign of just focusing on more powerful consoles has led them to a bottleneck now. Yep. Which Microsoft is pivoting with peripherals and other stuff where Sony hasn't been able to make that transition as gracefully. Yeah, and I think another problem that I have with PlayStation is their just immense focus on we want all of our games to be big AAA blockbuster hits. And I'm just like, you could do so much more than just that. All that does is limit how many games you're going to have available on your console and limit the amount, number of reasons that people want to buy a PS5. And then on the other side of the coin, you have Microsoft who's like, you, indie dev, you have a really cool looking game. Come over here. Let's talk publishing. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it. I don't understand that mindset of we want everything to be AAA blockbusters. Like, not everything has to be a triple A blockbuster. I just I don't understand that mindset that they I have. I think this is I think this is more the direction that that mentality is coming from. And I think this shift in policy is why Microsoft has been so influential in acquiring all these developers and stuff like that. Uh, for the longest time, and this is something that we run into in film sometimes, is uh you have an idea and somebody with a whole big fat sack of cash comes in and is just like, hey, I want to fund this project. And at that point, the developer is like, oh, cool. Yeah, we can actually, you know, pay everybody. We can go more in depth. We can flesh out some of the stuff some more. And then a person with big sack of cash has their own ideas and they want to be the boss. And then they start making decisions when they are not a game developer. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Microsoft, with all of these acquisitions, has just literally been the cash cow of saying, yes, we have the money. However, we are just going to fund the project and be hands off. We are trusting you to develop this because you have a track record of making something that's great. It is the Netflix way. That's exactly what made Netflix so good. Mm -hmm. They would come in and they would say, we like what you're doing. Here's money. Go do it. Yep. Yeah. And that's what Microsoft is doing, where I feel like Sony is just being too hands-on with what's being developed. And uh, I think a big part of that is just kind of the work ethic mentality of where a lot of those people would be located and hired from. Because I know uh, intellectual property and copyright laws and stuff like in Japan are very different than what we have in the U.S. And they, they play a lot of stuff very close to the chest. They're very protective of anything or any venture that they like embark on. And I feel like that is kind of permeating into their business decisions and it might've hurt them or nipped them in the bud a little bit. It very well is a possibility. Cause I do know that Japan doesn't even have fair use clauses at all. So if, if there's no protection over there, yep, none. It, well, it my, I think my biggest problem personally with PlayStation right now is that Sony does have a immense treasure trove of incredible IPs and characters and franchises, but they're doing nothing with them. I just had an idea. So uh, follow me down this rabbit hole for a sec as I flesh this out. So we grew up in like 90s era, like, you know, late 80s, early 90s kids. We grew up with things like the Super Nintendo primarily, not as much the NES, but some to an extent, but it was mostly like Super Nintendo, N64, PlayStation 1, Xbox One, all that stuff, right? 
as we shifted from being kids to young adults and then, you know, young industry working in industries and young adults, the the games and development stuff that they were targeting shifted because I feel like in the PlayStation one with like things like Crash Bandicoot and things like that, the whimsical kind of games that they were making were targeted for like that age group. And then now I feel like Sony is continuing to target our age group with more mature games. However, they haven't necessarily appealed to a younger generation to permeate into a continuous stream of like consumers. Yeah. And I, I, I now that you say that, I think that is the driving factor that Sony has. Cause I do remember that the, biggest reason why Naughty Dog shifted from working on Jack and Daxter to Uncharted was because their whole reason was, oh, you know, the gamers who were playing PlayStation are growing up. We want to make sure that we're making games that appeal to um, them as they're growing older. They wanted to grow with the players. And I understand that mentality. I really do. And it's worked really well for Sony. Yeah. But it's also putting a limitation on the things that they can create in my opinion, because, okay, I'm a 32-year-old man. I still love playing Mario, and I still love, I still am interested in games like Spyro and Crash. Like, yeah. I, I, I was about to say, here's the interesting part about this mindset, because it is a good mindset to have that you mature with your fans, right. but I feel like most of the gamers of our generation, people of our age that are still playing games, we're nostalgic for the games, the kind of games that we used to play with that whimsy. And so our generation's actually playing the games that were targeted for the younger kids. And meanwhile, the younger generation, they're the ones that want to feel more mature. They're the ones going out there and playing Call of Duty. You're, you're teenagers. They're the ones yeah. that, are, that are playing the more mature games. And the adults yeah. are the ones playing the more whimsical games. And it's yeah. so yeah. weird. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. <laughs> I described this to a friend one day, and I was just like, I am happier playing a game like Castle Crashers or Tricky Towers. In, I would rather play that than Last of Us Part Two. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same way. I'm exactly the same way. And and I think this is why I feel like Sony's um, mindset in this department is a good mindset to have, but is slightly misguided. I think what Sony should be doing is they should have, and I love that this transitioned over from talking about Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard to talking about what's wrong with Sony. Uh, but uh, um, I, they need, in my opinion, a mixture of different appeals. They like, I think that's their biggest problem. They're so heavily focused on one thing and they're not really thinking about what else can we do to appeal to more people to get more people on board? Yeah. And I get, you know, they're, I, I'm sure that they're not too worried about trying to get more people on board because, you know, PS5 is, you know, selling so well that they can't keep them in stock. And also, you know, it, it's hard to keep them in supply because the demand is immensely higher than they can even supply. Um, so I get that they're not too worried about that, but I feel like if they don't start thinking about that soon, it's going to come back to bite them in the butt later, especially with Microsoft acquiring all these studios. Like if you're not going to have much of an appeal beyond just games like last of us, ghost of Tsushima, 
God of War reboot and so forth, if that's all you're going to have, whereas companies like Microsoft and Nintendo have this treasure trove of other things, you're kind of putting yourself at a limitation. To close the things out really quickly, do you think Sony can come back from this? And if so, what would they have to do? If, in, if, in my opinion, with all the, the, the news of Activision Blizzard being acquired by Microsoft has highlighted just how serious Microsoft is about playing the long game when it comes to the video game industry, when it comes to competing with Sony. And so, and I think that's why we ended up gearing towards talking about Sony because it really brings into question, like, what is Sony going to do to respond to this? And honestly, in my opinion, I think the answer is Sony needs to start broadening their horizons on the kinds of games that they make and the way that they distribute those games. I think that them bringing more more of their games to the PC is the right move. I think that's a good start. Bloodborne on PC, please. Um, and I think they just need to be more open-minded about different kinds of creative projects that they could let their studios engage in that isn't just, oh, let's make something super mature and triple-A blockbuster. It has to be something, like, it has to fit that niche. Like, I mean, it's not a niche, but like, you get what I mean. Like, yeah. I th- I just, I think they need to broaden their creative horizons. They need more that appeals to more people. And I, we all know that Sony has the resources and assets available to them to make that happen. They absolutely do. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a real shame to me anyway that Sony has this treasure trove of IPs that they could do so many creative things with. And they're just sitting there dormant, like nobody's doing anything with them. Mm-hmm. It, it they need really to Disney vault that. Yeah, they, they they need to Disney evolve their 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 mindset a little bit. Exactly, and I'm not sitting here saying that you know you can't have games like The Last of Us and God of War and Ghost of Tsushima. I, like have those games. People love them. I'm not Boy. saying I'm yeah ex- exactly. <laughs> I, I'm not saying you can't have them. There's you know people love them. They're like ple- people buy PlayStation to play those games. All I'm saying is I think you need to broaden your horizons beyond just what people buy PlayStation PlayStation for now, because yes, it's successful for you now, but eventually you're going to need more than just that. And that's why I'm just really bothered by the whole, we want every game that we put out to be a AAA blockbuster because it is. I get their mindset, but it, I still feel it's misguided. I honestly feel like titles like Hollow Knight can be infinitely more profitable than a major AAA title because the production costs are that much lower. Yeah, Exactly. I I think that if Sony were to collaborate, honestly, I would love to see if Sony could um, just do what Microsoft is doing, at least to a small degree, where they're approaching smaller studios saying, we like what you're doing. Here's a sack of cash. Do it and make it exclusive to our platform. We're hands off. Well, a lot of a lot of indie studios like uh, Team Cherry that created Hollow Knight, what they understand that Sony doesn't is fun is the number one 
most important thing. It's what yep. Nintendo has understood for decades. Oh, that's their policy. That's literally their philosophy. Sorry to interrupt, but like I just wanted to point out that was Iwata's philosophy when he took over as CEO. He said video games are meant to be one thing and one thing primarily, and that is fun. Everything comes after that. Sony has for so many years focused on the graphics. That's what it's all about. It's all about the graphics. It's all about looking amazing. The graphics and storytelling. And that, yeah, it, that always it, comes it, before the fun factor. Yeah, it's like Sony Pictures permeated and like bled into their game sector in terms of their design. <laughs> it really did. Well, and that makes sense. And if you look at the difference between Microsoft and Sony, Sony really is more of a, a film type industry. Yes, they're, they're, they're electronics first, but they do have a film branch. And Microsoft is computing. People have been playing games on Microsoft systems since the mid-90s. Microsoft yep. understands games and understands why people plays them. And it's apparent in the choices that they've made. Yeah, Sony games are like potpourri. You look at them, and they smell nice, but you don't really do much with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like because like I can tell you I can tell you from personal experience like I have the God of War reboot on PS4 I played it I liked it I see why people love it as much as they do am I going to go back and play it again probably not I'll be honest with you I probably will never play it again I had I, I I played it once and I don't I feel like I got the experience out of it I'm done with it and I think that yeah, is it's a, it's a one and done and I know. I think that's a big problem with a lot of Sony's games they're great games. There's a reason why people love them so much, but they all feel like one-and-dones to me anyway. Gentlemen, this has been a, a wonderful discussion. I'm going to go play Pokemon now. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you know, it, it's funny you bring that up because, like, I just wanted to say real quick, and then you have Nintendo in their sector where there's like, we don't care if you get an Xbox or a PlayStation because we know you're going to buy a Switch anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you have... Everybody has two consoles in their home, or at least every gamer. You've got whatever it is you play your AAA titles on, be it a PlayStation or an Xbox or a PC, and then you have your Nintendo console mm -hmm. for the games that's that not, you that's really not want to play. But yeah, that's that's not <laughs> but everybody, yeah, but, but it's definitely a lot of people. But but yeah, you, yeah. you, you get the idea. Yep. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us today here on the podcast. Uh, you can find uh, show notes and all of our social media links on our website at insertgamepodcast.com. And uh, tune in next time when we talk about Sony. And I don't know, I was going to say something witty, but it, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs>